Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. For the News and Observer at NC Insider, I'm Brian Murphy, your host for this episode of Under the Dome on Monday, April 4th, 2022. I'm joined today by Lars Dolder, News and Observer business reporter. And uh, Lars and many other business reporters in the state have been covering uh, bi- lots of business that is coming to North Carolina. And last week, VinFast, a Vietnamese uh, electric vehicle ma- manufacturer, uh, announced that they are coming to North Carolina. It was, it was a big deal. And I know many of our, our listeners know about that. But Lars, Thanks for joining the podcast. And can you give us a quick recap of what happened last week and, and why this is such a big deal? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. So VinFast is is kind of uh, momentous for North Carolina because it is the first auto manufacturer that's finally landed in the state after what is decades of legislators trying to attract one. Uh, it's an electric vehicle startup, like you said. We'll see what happens in the uh, coming decades. They've thrown a lot of money at this company to give them a shot, and they're hoping that they find some success after this will be their entry into the North American market. So far, they've only operated in Vietnam with sort of a, a, a mixed track record. So uh, there's there's a lot to see. I know a lot of our listeners are, are tuned to the political side of these things, and, and maybe uh, maybe they know all about the what, what a mega site is and and where all these things are are coming. We constantly are hearing about businesses coming. Um, where where is Vinfast going to to make these cars, and and when will they get started? Vinfast will settle in Chatham County in Moncure, which is a community of about 780 people. It's in the southern part of the county, just north of Sanford. So far, there's not been much there, but its claim to fame is that Moncure hosts the Triangle Innovation Point megasite. Like you mentioned, uh, it's not a, a term familiar to, to everybody, but basically it's the state defines a megasite as an area of at least a thousand acres that is uh, developed in advance to host a major industrial company or series of companies. Uh, Triangle Innovation Point is actually the largest mega site in the state. It's uh, more like 2,150 acres. And VinFast plans to take over almost 2,000 of those. So it's an ambitious project and it, it represents a big win for state legislators who have been fighting for this for a long time. The site's been there for more than 10 years without having any tenants. So finally, they landed something. It'll mean a lot for Chatham County besides the state. Yeah, I mean, we we constantly we've I, at least I've heard about lots of mega sites, and thanks for describing what the, those actually are. Um, when when we think about auto manufacturers, at least in, in my mind, I think of you know the old GM plants or Ford plants up in up in uh, you know Michigan. Um, is that what we're looking at? We're looking at an assembly line that that produces electric cars, you know, cranks them out, shifts shift workers, all, all that stuff. Yeah, we're not totally clear yet on how they plan to operate, but I think that's not far off. Obviously, the machinery will be different because it's electric vehicles versus the traditional gas powered. But 
Uh, they do plan to hire at least 7,500 workers, and they want to have 200,000 cars coming off the line in the next few years after they get everything up and running. So it, it, it is planned to be a substantial assembly line, um, and, and we'll see. I mean, it's, it's a new territory, not just for North Carolina, but electric vehicles obviously are a hot topic. And besides Tesla and some other big companies, there are many trying to break into that market, even from the major manufacturers that have made their fame in, in gas-powered cars. This is big transition happening. And so I think FinFast is trying to capitalize on that. And North Carolina, too, is hoping that as, as things trend that way, they'll have a, a winner in FinFast. You, you've mentioned the economic incentives and, and how this is a big winner for you know state lawmakers who have who've been working on this. Uh, I know the governor uh, is obviously taking a lot of credit as well. Um, just so it's clear, most of these economic incentives only come if if the company meets some benchmarks when it comes to hiring. Um, they're, they're not getting a giant check from from North Carolina, you know, today. They'll have to meet some benchmarks, and the state will be tracking that, and then they'll receive the economic incentives. That's correct. Yeah, we don't we don't want to uh, suggest that they're just getting a check for one point two five billion dollars. <laughs> um, the state the state is not that reckless. No, uh, it, it's actually about eight hundred and fifty four million that's coming from the state and Chatham County is chipping in another four hundred million. But a lot of that is it, as part of the incentives package, really, the, the money is figured for what they won't have to pay in some taxes that they might otherwise it, and so that is to attract big companies that they hope will contribute to the state's GDP. Um, and, and also that's to be rolled out over the next 32 years. So VinFast needs to hire at least 6,000 people within the next few years for them to get uh, the, the first of their incentives. And they have production goals as well that they'll need to meet. And so it is kind of a metered process. It's not just a, a chunk of cash that they get for showing up. Those big numbers jump out, right? We hear a billion dollars for Apple and, and 1.25 billion for VinFast. And I think um, it's important to note that these are these are over time. These are in many ways tax rebates um, yes. or, or taxes that they don't end up paying, not necessarily the, the state paying them money. You mentioned you know, kind of a mixed track record with this company. Um, and, and quite frankly, we, we can throw Boom Supersonic in there as well, which is another... Um, you know they're they're going to try to make planes that that fly at supersonic speed. Um, these are cutting edge technologies, electric vehicles, you know, supersonic jets. That also means that that they don't necessarily have a, a long track record of success. Yeah, what what both those companies promise to be is really exciting, and and assuming they meet their ambitious goals, it it will really put North Carolina on the map in ways it hasn't already been as as a hub for innovation and technology in in the manufacturing world but like you said i mean it's kind of a gamble from the state so vinfast for example it was founded in 2017 and they started with gas powered vehicles in partnership with bmw they were bmw licensed engines last year they reported a billion dollar loss on their gas powered vehicles which only sold in vietnam and so now they're transitioning away from that completely they're phasing out any um you know, petroleum-based uh, vehicles. And uh, and so they hope that EV will, will work better. That's yet to be seen, but it's a big question mark. And Boom Supersonic 2 uh, has not made the product that's, that is its hallmark, <laughs> which is a 205-foot jet. It's supposed to fly about 1,300 miles per hour. So that's almost twice the speed of sound. 
um, twice as fast as anything that's out there now, uh, while maintaining a lot of uh, ambitious uh, goals for uh, environmental protections. We'll see is really what it boils down to. We'll have to see how these things develop in coming years. The Certainly, I think in North Carolina would have loved to have landed a Ford plant or, or a GM plant. You know, that, that just carries some cachet, a Honda or Toyota. You went back and looked at the history. I mean, North Carolina has tried to land just about all of those automakers. They sure have. Yeah, I, I, I dug into our archives at the NNO and, and some other resources. And at least for the last 30 years, North Carolina lawmakers have really been fighting to land a, a car maker. At least back in uh, the early 90s, 92, 93, we saw when they failed to attract Mercedes. They were really close at the time. And I think it kind of gave them a taste for what could have been. And so since then, they've, they've been part of negotiations with Volvo, with uh, Toyota Mazda, which was only a couple of years ago, with BMW and others, all trying to bring them in without success. It's actually an interesting story how the state has developed its incentives policies, how those have evolved over the years. A lot of it is pretty closely related to its attempts to bring in an automaker. And so that obviously affects other uh, economic development across the state. But it really comes down to how the car has pined after, excuse me, how the state has pined after a car maker. In so all they that, finally got one. Yeah, in all that, in all your research, and it was a really interesting article. You can read it at newsandobserver.com if you haven't. Um, why, why is the car maker, why is an automaker sort of this holy grail that they've been chasing? What, what is it about? Is it, is it just a cachet thing? Is it, is it, or, or is there something about a car maker that's different than attracting some other type of business? Yeah, I, I think cachet is part of it. Also, though, it's just the volume of people that will be employed to work with a car maker. We see companies like Apple and Google, and they bring in huge amounts of money and uh, the, the prospect of really high paying jobs, but still smaller staffs, generally speaking. I mean, we've reported on uh, Boom Supersonic recently and uh, Toyota battery plant out in Greensboro, Apple and Google, of course, within the last year. And those their, their projected employment numbers pale in comparison to what this automaker is going to bring. So they say the 7,500 job minimum is just enormous. And, and, and 13,000 has floated around there, too. Some have suggested that that might be kind of a max figure they want to reach over the line, although the company hasn't confirmed that. So I think that's a big part of it too. And that there are jobs that more people can aspire to have um, instead of, you know, like the $200,000 a year jobs at Apple that require a lot of experience and education. More North Carolinians can probably go and work for VinFast and make maybe 50, 60 grand a year. I know this may be a story that we get to eventually, but but VinFast, uh, like Tesla, wants to be able to sell these cars direct to consumers. Um, you know, I think everybody's familiar with how cars mostly get sold now. You go to a dealership, or uh, certainly some people are moving more online. But but there's these vast auto dealerships all over the state uh, with hundreds of cars on the lot. Um, my understanding is this may require some kind of law change in order to get to a system where they can sell direct to customers, at least in North Carolina. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and that's a story that we're digging into, like you said, to try to find some answers. I know people are curious. Uh, we, we reported a week or two ago about uh, possibly having lost Rivian because of exactly those laws, which settled down in Georgia. 
uh, because the company wanted to sell direct and, and wasn't going to find that atmosphere in North Carolina. Tesla has gotten away with it, um, or, or rather they had some laws built around them, I think, to permit direct sales. And I wonder if FinFast is looking to capitalize either on, on that system or to have similar laws drawn up in their benefit. We'll see what North Carolina is willing to do. I think that um, they might have really been hurting after losing Rivian. And so maybe they'll compromise in a way now that they weren't willing to do then. We'll have to see. But uh, it's a good question and one that we're investigating. The, the use of economic incentives, you talked about how sort of you, you went back and looked at all these uh, car companies that North Carolina tried to land. How has that use of economic incentives sort of changed over time? Are we getting better at it? Are we getting worse at it? Or are we throwing more money at it? How's it changed? Yeah, we're throwing more money at it. <laughs> that's, uh, I but think that that's the incentives the are bigger. They're just playing bigger. Yeah, they're just enormous. I mean, after uh, so like 93 or so was Mercedes. And back then, it, we didn't talk about incentives the same way that we do now. And so uh, lawmakers, after having lost that to Alabama at the time, uh, th this new competitive market between states sort of evolved where it was who's got the most money to give to companies to attract their attention. And, and companies know that that, 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 that has become the, the status quo. And so uh, it's just more and more money over time. I think that uh, it was in like 97 that the uh, the Commerce Department told the NNO then that if you weren't willing to fork out more and more incentives, your state was just not going to land any new major companies moving forward. And that has been the the atmosphere over the past 20 years. I, I, I come from a, a sports background. I was a sports reporter for a long time. And it reminds me of how cities and even uh, municipalities within states compete for these stadiums. Um, you know, who, who's going to give them the, the owner of this team, the biggest deal, the best deal to, to move their franchise to, to a different city or to, to some different spot within the same city. Um, it really is a zero sum game, right? There's, there's only so many car manufacturers. There's only so many NFL teams or, or major league baseball teams. So, uh, at some point th that competitive aspect kicks in and, and you either win or you lose. And, and North Carolina certainly lost, uh, lost many of these bids. So I, now they're, they seem to be on a winning streak. Yeah, I think yeah, that's right. Um, the companies like like sports teams, they know that they're coveted. <laughs> and so they know that they they hold what might be the upper hand in some of these negotiations with with states. And and also in negotiating with North Carolina, companies knew how the, the, the state had longed for this kind of opportunity. It's been so long coming. And so uh, I were curious, you know, naturally, we have filed um, public records requests and asked to see what might have gone out on in the negotiations process in the background before the story broke. And I'm curious to see just how much North Carolina might have adapted to make sure they didn't lose another opportunity like this. This is probably a long-term question and maybe unanswerable. Um, you know, are, do we know if these deals end up being ultimately successful? I mean, I think we have uh, years and years of evidence that these deals they cut for sports teams and stadiums usually end up costing, costing money. Um, to, to the taxpayer. Do we have any sense? Now you, you can say, hey, look, the North Carolina economy is booming. I think we have $6 billion in surplus. Um, our population is growing. I saw a report uh, earlier this uh, last week that, um, you know, North Carolina may soon be, you know, by the 2040s, they expect it to be one of the six most populous states in the, in the country. So, so people are moving here. Certainly those people are going to need good paying jobs in order to get here. 
Um, so, so you can certainly make an argument that the economic um, decisions that have been made have put us on the right track. I do. I, I guess my question is, how, how can we measure whether these incentives to bring in these companies are, are a good thing or a bad thing? And will, will we ever know or will it all sort of, you know, mix together? And, and we'll, as long as the state's doing well financially, they'll be considered a success. That's a challenging proposition at this point, I think, <laughs> because because like you have mentioned and we've talked about the kinds of companies North Carolina is attracting now are are sort of a new beast for this state. They've been trying to get the big manufacturing plant without success. So it, we, there's not something that really stands out to compare it to. But I mean, as far as just attracting major companies, we can look at IBM and RTP back in whatever the 60s, um, 70s, and how that's obviously uh, established a reputation for the area that indirectly or not, has attracted other companies like Apple and Google. And so uh, we wonder if the same might happen in the manufacturing world with with companies arriving and with EV as sort of uh, the the transportation mode of the future. Um, At least a lot of lawmakers are predicting that and others. Uh, We'll see maybe 20 years from now, we'll be talking about how how this was uh, pivotal in, in establishing North Carolina and transportation. That, that's a great point. That's a great point. My, my family came as part of the IBM generation in North Carolina. It's the whole reason that, that I live here, you know, some some 30 years later um, yeah. is because IBM attracted members of my family and they they brought in more people. And and, and that's how I got here. So that, that's a really great point that, um, you know, the, the seeds of an industry start and then industry grows up around it. Um, right. it we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about the companies that have come to North Carolina or, or ones we missed out on in the past. Uh, this economic incentive program is, is still going strong, and I imagine we're still competing. Uh, we as a state are still competing for more businesses. Any sense of companies that may be on the horizon, industries that may be on the horizon that, that North Carolina is aiming for? Yeah, well, of course, I'm all, we're always poking around and trying to figure <laughs> that out. What we, what we do know, at least, is that there are more mega sites without tenants at the moment. So... Uh, Triangle Innovation Point in Moncure still has about 200 acres, which seems to be kind of developed for life sciences, which that area is sort of a developing hub for the life sciences world near Holly Springs and such. So we'll have some companies coming in there. But I think the big one to watch now is across Chatham on the western side in Silas City is the CAM site, which is almost as big and has been under development for a decade or so as well and, and is really looking to bring in another heavy industrial company. So whether that could be another uh, vehicle manufacturer or somewhere in that industry or, um, uh, you know, a heavy machinery production maybe is something that, excuse me, that they have talked about in the past. Uh, we'll have to see. But I think those mega sites are, are something to keep an eye on. That'd be interesting. I'd love to uh, probably do the research and find out where where these mega sites are, which ones have uh, have business and which ones don't, and if these mega sites have been uh, effective at attracting some companies. Are we going to start to see more mega sites created in uh, in in lesser populated counties, you know, but but near to the major cities? Right. I mean, they're they're transformational when they work. It'll Moncure, like I said earlier, seven hundred and eighty people. It's an unincorporated community. <laughs> there's 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 not been much there, and now there's the prospect of seventy five hundred jobs, and I mean, two hundred thousand cars coming off a two thousand acre facility is just that is totally going to overhaul that community over time. 
And uh, and Silas City, too, has been sort of hurting for economic infusion. And um, with its mega site, there's the prospect, too, of that city uh, having having some growth that it hasn't had for decades. So you're right. Mega sites around the state are, are interesting to see what they what they will do. Well, this is Lars's first time on the Under the Dome podcast. So first of all, we thank him for being here and joining us. We also have a little tradition here on the Under the Dome podcast where we name a headliner of the week. Um, I'm, ca- I'm catching you off guard. I didn't prep you for this, but uh, <laughs> we usually we take some nominations, uh, you know, between uh, the, the host and the guest and, and we come up with a headliner of the week in North Carolina. So uh, you got any thoughts? Who, who was the headliner of the week? Who's the headliner of the week? Uh, you go first because you caught me off guard. And give me a second to think. <laughs> well, certainly VinFast and, and its CEO, uh, you know, certainly in contention. I think uh, Coach Shashevsky, Coach Hubert Davis, probably in contention as well. Uh, you know, lots of lots of headliners. Uh, maybe, maybe, and and this is a little off the beaten path, but but Roy Cooper's declaration that North Carolina is the <laughs> center of the college basketball universe. Maybe. Uh, Maybe that's the headliner of the week, right? Duke and North Carolina's uh, basketball teams. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah, I, I joked. You know, he he's he's in his second term, obviously, but I I thought that's a better campaign ad than any politician could have come up with because that was just <laughs> that video was great. Um, yeah, really but, clever, really well done uh, by the governor and, and his team. I'm imagining the team obviously oh, has some yeah. basketball fans uh, on it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I could throw my vote in for that. Um, VinFast is big, but I we I, I got to give it to basketball world a nod to your sports background. And come on, North Carolina is uh, as as much as people care about manufacturing and economic development this weekend. I think they care more about what's going on in the final four. No doubt. No doubt. Well, well Lars, uh, find all of his stories at newsandobserver.com. It's been a great addition to our staff and, and our business team over there. And um, keeping you busy, keeping you busy, lots and lots of developments in the business world, uh, here in North Carolina. So, uh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you listening for the news and observer and NC insider. I'm Brian Murphy. We'll see you next time on the under the dome podcast. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the news and observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com newsletters.